All right, so we're going to do something a little different this morning. Uh, we're going to take my version of a word association test, but this is how this works. I'm going to, you can either take a middle note, write it down the answer. Now, we'll tell you for most everything, there are multiple answers. So there's a, a good shot of getting this right, okay? So, for example, if I were to say to you, uh, go to the, and go to the first one, Galatians, Philippians, and Colossians, and you would say, go ahead and go, uh, that that is books of the Bible, New Testament books or books written by Paul. Any one of those three would work, right? Now, that's, a, that's what they call in the sports world a layup. A layup is an easy shot. They get a little tougher from here. All right, so here we go. Here's the next one. Ready? Here we go. Dear John, the lucky one, message in a bottle, the rescue. And if you're a dude know this, we need to talk after church is over. All right? All right, so take a, either write it down, take a mental note. All right? Here's the answer. These are Nicholas Sparks books made into movies or things Jay avoids at all costs. <laughs> Any one of those answers would be correct. So if you wrote, this doesn't sound like Jay, we'll take that as a, as a yes, okay? All right. Now, I knew at least two people knew that. And like I said, if you're a dude and you knew that, let's talk when church is over, all right? All right. So let's do the next one. All right. Here's another one. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, FDR. All right? All right. So you have choices. Here they are. They're, they're presidents, or these are also presidents of memorials in D.C. So either one of those would be okay, right? You got it? All right. Last one before we move on. Gators, Gamecocks, Volunteers, Tigers, Yellow Jackets. Yes, Yellow Jackets is on there. Not completely yet. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. Bulldog Rivals are teams Jay hopes lose every game they play, every time they play. All right? In a perfect world, my team wins and they lose every week. It's a great weekend. I almost had a great weekend. So, that's kind of the way we do this. And so, what if I were to say to you the words, love, abide, and follow? What would you think about? What would you associate with? Well, these are words associated with a disciple of Jesus, right? And a disciple of Jesus is a fully devoted follower of Jesus, a passionate pursuer, a person who, take, who lives as if they're actually taking Jesus seriously and at His word. It is somewhat, and so it's not like one or the other, and we talk about this every week just so we understand. A disciple, it's not, well, some be fully devoted and some follow and some, you know, live as if they take Jesus seriously. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple. If you're a disciple, you take Jesus seriously. If you take Jesus seriously, you follow him. If you follow him, you're a Christian. It is all the same thing. It is different terms that all mean the same thing. So in the Bible, when you see the term Christian, which appears three times in the New Testament, that's a disciple. When you see disciples, those are Christians. When you see followers of the way, those are disciples who are Christians who are pursuing Jesus. And so today we're going to look at our next word, and our next word is the word obey, right? Obey. I love this, to comply with or follow commands. I'm not good at obey, all right? Restrictions, wishes, or instructions of. In other words, when someone tells you to do something, you do it. That's what it means to obey. And in our culture, in our world, this is a negative word. Kids don't want to obey their parents. Parents didn't want to obey their parents, right? There's, their spouses are like, man, my, my spouse, he or she's just driving me crazy. They just want me to do this, want me to do that. 
My boss, man, my boss is just riding my case, and I just wish they'd get off. I mean, they just want me to do what they want all the time, and sometimes I just don't want to listen to them. You see, when we think of obeying, it's it's a negative connotation. In the athletic world, there's kids who want to play, but they don't want to listen to their coaches. And kids like that generally don't play. Just kind of how it works. And so in our world, obey is negative, but in but in the life of a disciple, obey is a very positive thing. It's not, man, I have to do what Jesus says. I get to do what Jesus says. I get to follow him. I get to love him. I get to abide in him. I he as he leads, I get to follow. It, it's it's a get to. And so there's this, this idea that it's negative. And so Jesus modeled obedience for us. And so sometimes we go, you know, I, I, I'm not really a follower. I'm not an obeyer. But Jesus was. So consider this, all right? In John chapter 4, it says this. Jesus said this. My food is to do the work of my Father and to finish his work. So Jesus said, my job is to do what my Father sent me to do. In John 6, he said this, For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do do the will of him who sent me. In other words, I'm here, but I'm not here on my own, you know, for my own show. I'm not here for my own purpose. I'm here to do the purpose of my Father who sent me. I'm here to do what he wants me to do. I'm here to follow his lead. In Luke 22, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was facing torment and the cross, and, and he prayed three times for this burden to pass from him, he finished every prayer with, not my will, but thine. In other words, my job is to do what you want me to do. And if, and if Jesus had that attitude about his ministry purpose, how can we think of obedience as anything but a positive? How can obedience anything but be anything but I get to do this because the Lord's leading me to do that. Sometimes the Lord leads you to take care of somebody who needs to be taken care of. And you can look at that one of two ways. When, when the Lord clearly leads, it's a burden. It's a have to or it's something you get to do because God puts you in a position to, to do it. So the question is, how do we turn obedience back to a positive? How do we model the mindset of Jesus who viewed obedience as a good thing to do, as a great thing to do. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to obey him. And this is where obedience starts. It starts when we commit ourselves to the cause of the kingdom of God. Now, I've got to tell you a story. It, this story is a true, absolute true story. It did not happen in Sylvania. It did happen in Albert County. So I'm in the gym one day, and this dude pulls up in his truck. And I know the guy, and he's getting out of his truck. And so uh, it's great to be able to tell a story where you, you know the, it's never going to get back to the person, right? And so the, uh, the guy gets out of his truck, and he's got his workout bag, and he's got another bag in his hand. I'll get to the other bag. He goes in, he changes clothes, he comes down, he sits down on the bench in front of me, or on the elliptical, on the, on the bench in front of me that is where the weight machines are, and he pulls out a large Eminem flurry and begins to eat it in front of me at the gym. He finishes McFlurry and then he pulled out a quarter pounder and he ate it in front of me at the gym. And then he worked out for about seven minutes 
and he called it a day and went home. I think that sugar rush, I don't know that he could do anything else or whatever. But I, I just remember thinking, that is someone who really kind of wants to get in shape or work out, but they really don't want to sacrifice anything. They don't want to give anything up. They want to do it on their terms and in their way. And that's how a lot of us, I think, want to follow Jesus. We want to follow him on our terms and in our way. We want to obey. It's kind of like, it's, re- it's weird, and nobody would say it out loud, but this is how a lot of people think. I want to follow Jesus. I just don't want to do what he says. And it's weird, but that's how a lot of us live, right? Uh, you know, are you a follower of Jesus? I'm a follower of Jesus. You're a Christian. I'm a Christian. Do you do what he says? Well, sometimes. Really? It's kind of like this. Do you have a job? Yeah, I've got a job. You like your job? Yeah, it's okay. Do you go to work every day? Well, I go sometimes. Well, what do you mean you go sometimes? Well, you know, when I feel, don't feel like going, I don't go. Now, if you're not the boss, that's a good way to lose your job, right? I mean, we get that. You know, kids who don't go to school get punished. Parents who don't send their kids to school get punished. In our culture, you have to commit to things, right? I don't want the doctor working on my kids who, who like kind of went to medical school and kind of quit halfway through and somehow got his degree. You know, Doogie Howser, I don't know how that would work. But anyway, I don't want that guy working on my kid. I want the person who committed all the way to finishing. And that's what it is to obey Jesus. It is, it is to do what Jesus says because there's a greater purpose in mind. It's not to make us miserable. It's not to make us do stuff because when Jesus leads us to do something, it leads to a greater kingdom purpose every time. The person in your life who shows up and you don't want to do anything for them because you're just annoyed with them, you know what? You never know what might happen if you just help that person. You don't know. Well, they're just going to, you know what? That's between them and the Lord. Well, they're just going to blow it on this. And my theory has always been this. What they do is between them and the Lord. What I do is between me and the Lord. Doesn't mean you have to help everybody. But it means we have to understand that there's a greater purpose when Jesus calls us to do what he wants us to do, right? And so we have to commit ourselves to the kingdom of God. We have to commit ourselves to the kingdom work. And the kingdom work is about reaching people, ministering to people, helping people. Whoever God puts in your path, that's what we're supposed to help those people, lead those people, lead them to Christ, whatever the case may be. And so the question is, how do we commit ourselves to the kingdom cause of Christ? I mean, you know, because I want to do it, but I'm not real sure how. So this is really how it starts, okay? Jesus says it this way in John chapter 14. If you love me, obey my commands. Pretty simple. If you love me, obey my commands, which kind of sounds like, which we'll get to this in just a second. If you don't, you don't have to. If you love me, obey my commands. Now, on the surface, if you've ever said to someone out of guilt, and if you love me, you do this. If you love me, you'll go there. If you love me, you won't whine about this. If you love me, you'll just do what I'm saying. Man, that's a guilt weapon, right? Especially for parents. And it's pretty powerful. And so it's easy for us to be cynical about this and go, well, Jesus, this kind of this is a guilt thing. But this is not a guilt thing. So let's talk about this for a second and understand this that the key to, God, to obedience is love. 
I'm telling you this, you can love Jesus and come to church. You can love, you can not love Jesus and come to church. You can love Jesus and really not want to follow him, and that's all possible. But it is impossible to obey Jesus if you don't love him. Because it's love that drives you to obey him. So when I tell you love is a word that describes a person who follows Jesus, it's because it is love is the reason why you want to abide, and love is the reason why you want to follow, and love is the reason why you want to obey. That the way it works. So let's look at this. So Jesus says, if you love me. All right. So and so for the skeptic, they're going to go, huh? So if I don't, I don't have to. So let's understand how this works, okay? And so this is one of those times in the Bible where we get something lost in translation. And it happens a bunch, especially in the New Testament. All right. So there's this word that we know is if, and if means if, right? If means it could go either way. If is uncertain. If can be good, it can be bad. If can go. You know, this, if can go that. You know, if has this uncertainty, but there's no uncertainty to the, what Jesus is calling us to. So there's got to be something more to this, right? He's not saying, uh, you know, if. It's, that's not what he's saying. This is a strong statement. So we need to understand the Greek word here that we know is if translates differently in the Greek. And the word it translates to is the word sense. And so what Jesus is saying, what, what the disciples heard him say was not, hey, if you love me, it's since you love me, obey my commandments. Since you love me, do what I say to do. Since you love me at this level that you've given up everything to follow me, do what I say. It's not a question of if or nor. It is a statement to followers of Jesus. Since you have decided to give your life to me, since you've decided to follow me, since you've decided to, to be baptized into me, do what I say. It's, not an, it's a strong statement of faith. And then we have that word love. Because we throw that word around a lot, right? I mean, we love a lot of stuff, right? Um, I love Halloween, I love kids coming up so much. I stood in the rain the other night. I just love Halloween. I love because we get the kids show up and you get to talk to them and, and, and you get to comment about their costumes and some of them just look at you scared to death like you got eight heads and some are screaming trick or treat all the way down the driveway. It's awesome. I love my dog. My love for my dog borders on legendary. All right. My dog, because I mean, I mean, can't tell you how many times people have said, hey, I saw you and your dog in the car. If you saw me in the car, it's a pretty good chance you saw the dog. Hey, I saw you in the dog McDonald's. We like to go there. When I don't take him to McDonald's, this is what I get. Where's your friend? He's at home. You didn't, was, you didn't bring him today? Well, he's at home, so no, he's not here, right? Now, I love that dog. And when I was by myself over in that house for four months, except for on the weekends, I started talking to that dog like he was a person. <laughs> and I still do. Why are you talking to the dog? He doesn't talk back. You don't know, right? <laughs> Maybe he does. Maybe we got something going on. I don't know. But I'm telling you this. If that house was on fire, and that Jesus was my dog or my granddaughter, I hope Roscoe can get out. Because <laughs> I'm saving that little girl. I love them both, but I love one at a whole different level. 
You see, and that's the thing we need to understand. There's a lot of things we love in life and a lot of people we love in life. So when Jesus says, if you love me, since you love me, when he says that, he's talking about a love at a different level. Look, I know you love a bunch of stuff. I know you do. But I'm saying that your love for me should be so deep and so personal and so fierce that you will do what I want you to do. Not because you have to, because you get to. And not just because you get to, because you understand that there's a greater kingdom purpose at stake when you just do what I tell you to do. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. So I want to tell you what this looks like. I want to give you a picture of what this looks like because there are people that love Jesus, but they don't love him enough to do what he says. And if you ask them if they love Jesus, they tell you they love Jesus with all their heart. But if you ask them, are you doing what Jesus says? Ah, sometimes. And that's where we get in trouble. So I want to take you to a, an event in the life of Saul, okay? So Saul is the king of Israel. He's the first king because the Israelites moaned and groaned and, you know, they wanted a king because everybody else had a king. You know, it's kind of like that kid, you know, everyone else is doing it. Why can't I? Everyone else is jumping off. You know, your dad always goes, well, if everyone's jumping off the cliff, do you want to? My kids would go, yep. Sure, why not? And so it's one of those things. Everyone's got a king. Why can't we have a king? So Samuel the prophet says, having a king is a terrible idea. He's going to send your sons to war. He's going to tax you. He's going to take your stuff. It's a terrible idea. We don't care. We want a king. All right, fine. I'll give you a king. And so Saul was chosen as the first king. And Saul started off as a very godly man who became a politician. His politics were more important than following the lead of the Lord. And so there comes an event in 1 Samuel chapter 5 where he is sent to attack the Amalekites. And what I'm about to read to you sounds really horrible. So I want you to understand who the Amalekites were. They have a history of the Israel and none of it's good. But what you really need to know, the Amalekites are one of the most barbaric people who have ever walked on the earth. They would, when they conquered an enemy, they would cut open the bodies of pregnant women and burn the babies. They were barbaric. And they raised their kids to be barbaric. And it came to a point, as happens all the time, where the Lord says, you know what, had enough of that. Had enough. So he, so he goes to Saul through the prophet Samuel with very specific instructions. So here's what he says, verse 3 of chapter 15. Now go, attack the Amalekites, and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Now, let's stop right there. That seems pretty clear, right? Totally destroy all that belongs to them. Now, he could have stopped there, but just because God wanted to be clear, he said to Samuel, who said to Saul, do not spare them. Put to death men, women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camel, donkeys. And so when Jesus says, so when Samuel says, hey, God says go wipe them all out. Well, what's that mean? He spells it out for them. That's really clear, right? Wipe them off the earth. People read this verse without historical context. You know, that's horrible. Why would God do that? When you have historical context, you understand these people. You will understand there are seven races that are mentioned in the Old Testament that don't exist anymore. And this is one of them. And so Saul loved God enough to go to battle. Loved God enough to do almost everything he said, but not enough to do everything. And so Saul went to battle and wiped out women, men, children, 
infants. But they had all these animals. And the men really wanted the animals. They, you know, what's the harm of that? We're going we're to let you keep the animals. And then there was the deal about the king. So the king, in this culture, in this day, this is how it worked. When you conquered an enemy, the politically right thing to do was save the king. And this is why. Because if someone conquered you, you wanted that king to do it for you. It was purely selfish. And so Saul, in his infinite wisdom, decided, you know, I know what God said, but, I, you know, i got to do the right thing. Because one day, we may be on the other side of this. Which means you don't have much faith in God, right? And so he saves the king, saves a bunch of animals. Samuel comes back. Hey, hey, welcome back, buddy. Look, we did it. We did what God said. Really? You did exactly what God said? Yeah, yeah, we did. Where did all these animals come from? Well, well, here's the thing. Men really wanted some of those animals. And we were like, man, you know what? I think we could take these animals. It's almost like he's thinking on the fly. And, and, we, and we're going to offer sacrifice. We're going to use these animals to offer sacrifices to God. That's what we're going to do. That's why we saved them. So you killed everybody else? Yep. What's he doing over there? Well, well, here's the thing. Kings don't kill kings. So I thought, instead of killing everybody, we kill everybody but the king. That's how this plays out. So this is what he's saying in my own words. And I think this is what a lot of us do. I did what you said, but I did it on my terms, not yours. And I think that's how a lot of us choose to obey the Lord. I did what you said. I'll do what you want, but as long as I can do it on my terms and in my way. And, and that's exactly what Saul did. He did what God said on his terms. It's exactly what we do time and time again when the Lord leads us to do something. We go, oh, I'm going to do what you said, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to put my spin on it. I'm going to put my twist on it. That's what the Pharisees and Sadducees did. And you see where it got them. They were in Jesus' crosshairs for three years. Because they, hey, we're going to do what God says. We're going to do it our way. In our terms and, and, and in our way. This is what Samuel replies after hearing his explanation. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? That's an interesting question. Hey, what's more important to God? Killing a bunch of animals or doing what he says? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of grams. So many times, I think we look at our lives as followers of Jesus, if you're a Christian, and we go, man, I, I sacrifice a lot. I've given up a lot. I give my time up all the time. I've get, I'm, I'm giving money. I'm, I'm committed. I'm, I'm trying to live right. I sacrifice a lot. So sometimes I want to do things my way. You know, I sacrifice, 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 and sometimes I just don't want to sacrifice. I've shared this, I think I shared this with y'all before, on my dad's deathbed, I promised to take care of my family. That's what I told him. I'd like to think, other than I love you, that's the last thing you heard me say. There are times, it's the last thing I want to do. But I made a promise. And the promise is more important than me. And the promise is more important than, than, than what I want to do, which is where times when I 
ditch my family responsibilities, I end up following up with them pretty quick because I start feeling guilty about it. Not because I feel I'm guilty, but because I feel like I'm letting my dad down. Sometimes we go, God, I've sacrificed so much for you. I just want to do this my way. Makes sense. Except for that one line, to obey is better than sacrifice. So think of it this way. Obeying the Lord means doing so on His terms and in His ways. There is no room for me in obedience. There's no room for my terms in obedience. There's no room for my way. There's no room for my spin. There's no room for us to say, hey, we're going to do what you say, but we're going to do it our way. There is absolutely no room for that. Because the Lord values obedience over sacrifice. The question is, who are you following? Whose lead are you following? Are you following the Lord's leading in your life? You fall in cultures leading your life, or you fall on your own. Everyone's doing one of those three things. We're either following the Lord, we're following the culture, we're following ourselves. Two of those lead to bad places. Every single time. Ten out of ten times, doing things your way will eventually lead you to a bad place. Ten out of ten times, following the lead of culture will eventually lead you to a bad place. Ten out of ten times, following the lead of the Lord will be hard, It'll be challenging. You, it'll, it'll, you're going to have to buckle down, but it always leads you to where God wants you to be. It always leads, and that's the deal with obedience. Why is, why is obedience so important for a follower of Jesus? Because it leads us to where the Lord wants us to be. It's not just about doing what the Lord says to do. It's about being where the Lord wants us to be. And the Lord was trying to position Saul as a great king. And, the Lord, and Saul said, I'll do my own thing. This was the event that led the Lord to go find David. This is it. The Lord said, I'm done with him. Go get me another king. And he did. And he found someone who, despite his flaws, valued obedience over sacrifice and laid himself aside time and time and time again for the sake of the cause of the kingdom of God. When it's all said and done, it's really, really simple. How bad do you want to obey? It is the depth of your love. It is the depth of your love that will determine the level of your obedience. And that's just a fact. The depth of your love will determine the level of your obedience. That's how it works. So if you find yourself in this position where I, I kind of want to do what the Lord wants, but I really don't want to. The first place I check is the depth of your love for Him. It's the first place I check. The deeper your love for the Lord goes, the more determined you will be to do what He says. The shallower your love for the Lord is, the less likely you'll do what He leads you to do. So here's a really cool thing. The deeper your love goes, the more obedient you will be and the more position you will become to do what God wants you to do, to be where He wants you to be. So it really comes down to this. Whose lead are you following? Lord, we are um, grateful for the cross where you sacrificed everything for us. We are grateful for your amazing grace. I am thankful for your grace. And I'm thankful when I look at my life and 
as I have here in the last few weeks, and I just look at all the times where I've just wanted to phone it in, just didn't want to do what you wanted me to do. Didn't want to do what I promised. Because i got things I want to do. i got places I want to go. i got people I want to see that do not always fit with your plan for me. The level of our obedience will determine the depth of our love. I pray that we will love you deeper and deeper and deeper every single day as you position us to be where you want us to be to do the things you would have us do. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.